This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, season number two, episode 84. We're breaking down the Cubs bullpen. Don't forget to listen, download, review. And most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and fly the W on Facebook, or email us at fly the W670gmail.com. Crowley, happy Thursday and happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to one of the greatest days in all our lives. November 2nd uh, is when we're recording this. The, what do we have? Seven years now. God, time just flies, Dustin. But it, it, it feels longer. It, it feels like a decade ago to me, not just seven years ago. How about you? Does yeah, it feel like seven? It, it feels longer. To me, it, it feels both. It feels like yesterday, and then it also feels like so long ago. Like when I look at the pictures and I look at all that stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I look like a baby on some of these. So, you know, is that where you were when it all happened or that's you watching the game with friends? What What was that exactly? Um, for me, no, I, I, I was a wreck. I was a train wreck. I, I was, I refused to go to Cleveland. I didn't want to think I would jinx them. Uh, so I wanted to stay in my spot and my couch. And then like, once we got to like the fifth inning, I was pacing pretty much back and forth in front of the TV, but I was, I was no fun to be around. I was no anything like it wasn't the jovial, Hey, Crawley's at the game. No, it was leave me alone. Nobody say anything. I was, I was did you watch uh, it by yourself? Were you, were, were you by yourself? Uh, my family was my mom or not my mom. Uh, my wife was there. My kids were there, but um, no, I was really, I just did not want to have any kind of anything. It, it, I've, I've, Dustin, I was there in 2003 uh, in, in Wrigley. I saw the Diamondbacks celebrate on our field in uh, 2007. I saw the Mets celebrate on our field in 2015 it's the, I, I told you sometimes it's, it, it's just the worst feeling. I just, all I wanted more than anything was to see a world series in my lifetime and, and how you can't get any closer than a game seven. So I was absolutely in a panic and, and in no mood to be around anybody. I was, I didn't want to be in a bar. I didn't want to be on the streets of Wrigleyville. I just wanted to be left alone. All right. And then did you go to the parade? Probably the dumbest question I've ever asked you, but did you go to the parade? The, the answer is yes, and uh, we'll definitely talk about that in the next podcast when we talk about the okay. anniversary of the parade. Always a lot of good anniversaries around this time. <laughs> well, luckily we have an anniversary. All right, so Crowley, let's get into it. We've been talking about uh, the different positions for the Cubs, and today on the 84th episode of season number two, we're talking relief pitching and the bullpen. 
Yeah, when we look at the bullpen, um, when compared to the other 30 teams in MLB, the Cubs rank 16th in war, which is pretty similar to where they were in 2022 when they finished 17th out of 30 teams. 24 different pitchers, and I'm making that quote sign because some of the guys were position <laughs> players, uh, came out of the bullpen in 2023, but that included Stroh for a couple of games, like Miles Mastrobani, uh, Tucker Barnhart pitched a bunch of games, and a couple of guys that were called up the last weekend of the season. But Dustin, I really want to focus on the everyday bullpen guys, the guys that were there and had real roles. Um, Julian Merriweather uh, came out and Mark Leiter were in the most games, 69, followed by Al Salai, 58, Fulmer, 35, Daniel Palencia, 27, Jose Quaz, 26 games in his short time, Hayden Wesniski, 23 games, Brad Boxberger, 22, Javier Assad, 22 games, Keegan Thompson, 19 games, Drew Smiley, 18 games, Brandon Hughes, 17, um, Anthony K, 13 games, but he was a bust, Jeremiah Estrada, 12, Luke Little, seven games, and Nick Birdie was in three games. Um, the Cubs have had a lot of success in the past, uh, signing guys and making moves and then flipping them, you know, whether you're talking about Scott Efros or David Robertson or Andrew Chafin or Chris Martin, they, they've had, they've done a really good job of that. And this year they signed two veterans to the bullpen, Brad Boxberger and Michael Fulmer. And in one of the most underrated moves of the season, they picked up Julian Merriweather off the scrap heap, off the waiver wire, waiver wire from Toronto. But this year was different because the Cubs didn't sign, like I said, a lot of free agent arms. They were going mostly internal options. Um, one issue that would affect the Cubs bullpen throughout 2023 was the lack of left-handed bullpen arms. When the team broke for the season, Dustin, the Cubs did not have a single left-handed bullpen pitcher on the roster. But like most bullpens throughout a season, there were some positive uh, surprises and some disappointments. So um, first off, we thought we would look at the breakouts. Um, when we look at the breakouts for this year, obviously, Dustin, no one bigger than Adbert Alzlai. Nobody um, bigger. What, when we were trying to figure out who was going to close games. Adbert really wasn't in the conversation with a lot of people. I think I brought it up. I said, Hey, maybe. Um, but once he started in that role, Dustin, he just excelled. He had no save opportunities in April, two in May and two in June. But right around that time, around end of June, early July, that's when he starts to become a closer on a regular basis. And he would not give up that role for the rest of the season until he was on the IL. In July, Dustin, he converted eight of nine save opportunities. In August, he converted 10 of 11. Unfortunately, he blew a save against the Reds on September 1st. Didn't pitch for a week, pitched on September 8th and 9th versus the Diamondbacks, and then went on the IL with a forearm strain. He would appear in one more game in September against Milwaukee on the last weekend of the season on that Friday. He finished the season with a record of two and five with a 267 ERA. He had seven holds and converted 22 out of 25 save opportunities. In 64 innings, he only gave up five home runs. But when you talk about the Cubs run, it's really going to be a, a couple things. It's, it's Bellinger and Talkman kind of solidifying that center first position. And it's going to be um, having... Merriweather, Leiter, and Alzali go seven, eight, nine, and solidifying the back end of the bullpen and winning a lot of close games. Yeah, absolutely right. And don't forget Michael Fulmer either. He needs to be put in that conversation as well. 
Um, yeah, we'll talk about Fulmer. I didn't have him down as a breakout as much. Um, he helped for a little bit, but as as far as the season in the hole, eh, it's okay. Um, Mark Leiter's season got off to a rocky start. Another breakout guy. He was DFA'd by the Cubs on January 13th, but he was re-signed by the team to on a minor league contract on January 30th. Leiter went one and three with the 350 ERA. He pitched 64.1 innings and struck out 77 batters. Dustin, with no lefties in the pen, Leiter was their best option as a he's a reverse split guy. Righties hit 254 against Leiter, while lefties only hit 185 off him. Like we talked about, Alzelag uh, solidifies the closer rule, and that at the same time, Leiter is being used in either setup or as a fireman during tough situations. Uh, 55.1 of the 64.1 innings he pitched in came in the seventh or eighth inning. Uh, Leiter's going to finish with th 33 holds to six blown saves. Unfortunately, like the rest of the Cubs, September was a particularly brutal month for Leiter. In April, Dustin, hitters average against Leiter was 179. In May, it was 167. In June, 128. Went up a little bit in July to 225. And in August, 186. But in September, hitters hit 400 off of him. His strikeouts went way down as he seems to struggle with his best pitch, the split finger fastball. Interesting to see what his role is going to be in 2024, but he was a very pleasant for a guy that was cut in January. He was he had a, a huge breakout season this year. Right. Nobody thought much of him at that point, obviously, because he was cut and brought back and they brought him back because they were probably desperate. And I guess the big question and maybe Crowley, you'll ask this question at CubsCon to our guy, Tommy Hadovy. You know, is the split finger fastball an option for Mark Leiter in 2024? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked about Julian Merriweather. Uh, he got off to a rocky start in, when he was DFA'd by the Blue Jays in January. Uh, the Cubs actually put a claim on him a week later on January 17th, and he had a great season. Merriweather went 5-1 and one with a 338 ERA. He appeared in 69 games through 72 innings. He was one of the hardest throwers on the team, Dustin, with his fastball averaging 98 miles per hour. So when we talk, Dustin, about swing and miss guys, that's what this bullpen needs more of, and that's what Julian Merriweather provided. His strikeout rate was a career-high 32.3%, and 46 of the 72 innings he had came in the 7th and 8th inning, and 16 of those came in the ninth, mostly in September when Alzali was down and um, Leiter was ineffective. But but Merriweather just was such a great pickup, and and he was they were able to do a lot of things with him, and that's what the Cubs hope to continue to do is find guys like Merriweather that you know it doesn't work out somewhere he comes in and he all of a sudden you know maybe makes some changes goes through the pitch lab and he was a much different pitcher than he was for the Blue Jays. Yeah, he grew on me as the year progressed. I didn't like him right off the bat, but he seemed to get better, almost like a fine wine, Crowley. He aged well over the course of the Cubs season, no doubt. Every, every month he did better. April was his worst month. And then by the time he was in September, he was just absolutely lights out. Right. Um, absolutely. Javier Assad, we talked about him in the last episode when we talked about starters, and that's because he provided a valuable role as a swingman, starting some games and coming out of the bullpen in other games. He struggled to start the season, was back and forth to Iowa a few times, but from July to September, he was excellent. In July, batters hit 113 off Assad, August 198. And in September, when it looked like the rest of the Cubs' young pitchers looked fatigued, he still was, you know, batters only hit 259 off of him. And so I, I see him coming back in that swing role because it seemed to have absolutely no impact whether he started, 
whether he was in the bullpen, he was just as effective either way. And I love that about a guy, Crowley. I love a guy that you say, here, here's the ball, go on the mound, get the opposing person out, regardless of the time and situation in the game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, it's it, it, it's such a good thing to have because not everybody can do it. And it sounds goofy. Who cares if it's the eighth inning? Who cares if the ninth inning? Who cares if there's runners on? Who cares if it's clean? But it affects these guys. I wish it didn't, yep. but it does. And to have a guy Literally like Assad yep. was really, really a good get. Um, guys that struggled. Looking at all the numbers, Dustin, Michael Fulmer was one of the big free agent signings. And the reason I put Fulmer on here, he was signed to a one-year prove-it deal uh, with the Cubs on February 20th as the uh, they figured that they would use Fulmer in a setup or a closer role, but that never came to fruition. Fulmer went three and five with a 4.42 ERA. He threw 57 innings and struck out 65 batters. He struggled out of the gate with batters hitting 289 off him in April and 306 in May. Things got better in the summer with batters hitting only 167 off him in June and 200 in July and 229 in August. But in the end of August, uh, Fulmer was put on the IL with a right forearm strain. He came back for a couple games in September before finishing the rest of the season on the IL. But for a guy that he was going to be one of those ideal flip guys, he was going to be, you know, if the season didn't go well or they were expecting him to be a closer or a setup guy. And he never really was those things. He was a really good five, six guy in the summer. Kind of one of those guys that bridge to get if the, if the starter couldn't go past five to get the ball to a Merriweather or lighter but um, definitely not as good as we hoped he would be. Um, one guy that was be uh, better, but he can always be better, but I got to jump in here a little bit. I mean, I just feel like I remember him in some high leverage situations after the trade deadline when he was really locking some stuff down. Right. After the trade dine, uh, you know, in, in July and August, absolutely. Uh, especially yeah. June and July were his two best months, but April, May, not good at all. And no. um, in, in August he was Okay. But, um, you know, two months of a guy, you know, coming in, in in the fifth or sixth inning, he did have some, again, high leverage roles. But if you would have told me that Fulmer would have been behind Merriweather, Alzali, and Leiter, I wouldn't have predicted that. Um, Keegan Thompson was one of David Ross's go-to guys out of the pen in 2022. He was that swingman role that we talked about with Assad. In 2022, Keegan was 10 and five with 3.76 ERA. He threw 115 innings as and was with the big club all season until he uh, finished uh, on the IL in September. But 2023 was a big step back for Keegan. His ERA in April was good, 193, but May was a disaster with an ERA of 9.95. He was sent to Iowa where he had spent most of the season until he was called up in late August. He only pitched four more games the rest of the season in August and September. So for a guy, remember the Cubs had a lot of injuries with Wade Davis in 2022 and uh, Drew Smiley in the first half. And it was Justin Steele and Keegan who really kind of came in. And then Keegan was more in the um, swing role after those guys got healthy. But 
Um, just a, just a tough season for him. Another guy who had a tough season was Jeremiah Estrada. He was a young guy I was really high on. I thought this was going to be a season in 2023. He was called up in April 21st versus the Dodgers through 1.1 innings of scoreless ball. Then didn't pitch again until April 29th when he pitched 1.2 innings of shutout ball. He appeared in seven games in May, and six of those were of those seven were scoreless uh, appearances. He struggled in one game against the Reds where he went .2 innings and gave up two runs on three hits. But then he struggled in June. Uh, he gave up, and after he gave up two runs in one inning against the Giants, he would not pitch for the Cubs again. And that that happens, Dustin. What but was frustrating um, for for I'm sure Jeremiah is that he started to struggle not just with the Cubs but also with the I Cubs in June and July. So the Cubs sent him to the Arizona Complex League, which is a, a league where you basically it doesn't matter what the results are. You're just working on things, not in a real. It's a game situation, but not like in the minor leagues. And when he came back in September, he did look better for the I-Cubs. But um, like I said, I was really expecting him to kind of have a really breakout season. Um, the last two guys that were disappointing were Drew Smiley and Hayden Wesniski. We talked about them in the last episode. Both of those guys um, were in the rotation to start the season, and both of them ended up in the bullpen to end the season. And I don't know, Dustin, I just don't see either Smiley or Wesniski. Neither of them impressed me. It wasn't like, oh, well, look what we have here. We can use them as a weapon like this. They were okay out of the pen. I, I We'll see what happens in 2024. Um, Smiley's going to be making $10 million next year. So assume he's going to get a shot at a starter's role. But with, with Hayden, he's going to have to really work to get that role. But like I said, I just wasn't super impressed. And that's not saying that they won't be impressive next year. It just... It was a, a a step back for both of those guys this season. Well, Drew Smiley got him going in the right direction. He had a great um, April and May, and then he tailed mm -hmm. off. And Wes Nesky's had some moments, right? We all got kind of hyped up and Wes Nasty and all that kind of stuff. But uh, overall, not a great year for sure. No. And then finally, injuries. Brad Boxberger, he was the big bullpen signing. He was supposed to be a setup or closer, ineffective in April with a four ERA. Worse in May with a 964 ERA. He was put on the IL May 15th with the right forearm strain. He did not come back up until September 8th. And then he went back on the IL September 23rd with that same right forearm strain. He only threw 10, 20 innings for the Cubs. That was a huge, huge disappointment and a loss. And that was just injuries, you know? Right. Um, he seems Brandon, like a guy, I don't even feel like we know who he is. Like, I, I don't know what, what, what he can do. We, we didn't get a big enough sample size. Right. I think, you know, he has a, he has um, a record that you can look at, but it just right. wasn't with the Cubs. Right. Brandon Hughes was another Cub who had a successful 22 season and earned his spot in David Ross's circle of trust. He was two and three in 2022 with a three twelve ERA in 57 games with eight holds and eight saves. He was injured most of spring training with knee issues. He came up April 15th, went back on the IL April 29th up on May 12th, back on June 13th, for the rest of the season, he was supposed to get season ending knee alignment surgery, but instead elected to go under uh, a surgical debridement of the left knee. And that reduced his recovery time. So he did spend a little time in Iowa in September rather than the whole year being a wash. But that really hurt not having him in the bullpen with with no lefty arms when the Cubs broke camp. No, um, no doubt. Nick Birdie was in. You know, Nick Birdie was another guy I was high on to start the season. He was a second-round draft pick for the Twins in 2014. Always had a live arm, throws in the upper 90s, but control issues and injuries always, always held him back. 
He appeared in three games for the Cubs before going on the IL with appendicitis. He returned with the I-Cubs in August, which is where he finished the season. And then finally, Dustin, three guys that got, you know, they weren't major players, but they're guys I think you really want to look at for next season. Daniel Palencia, the Cubs got him in 2021 as part of the Andrew Chafin deal with the A's. In 2022, he was a big part of the South Bend Championship team. And then in 23, he only spent a little time with Tennessee before being promoted to Iowa. And then the Cubs called him up 4th of July weekend against the Brewers, where he was called on to pitch two innings and got the win. He went 5-3 and three with a 445 ERA, 28.1 innings pitch. But he's a guy that is, is really someone to keep an eye on. Luke Little, a.k.a. Luke Not-So-Little, stands at 6'8", 220 pounds. <laughs> The young lefty, um, he's only 23. He came up in September when lighter became ineffective because they needed a lefty. He only threw 6.2 innings, but he didn't give up an earned run. So uh, a guy to definitely take a look at as an opportunity to break camp with the Cubs. And then finally, Jose Quas came into the Cubs in the Nelson Velasquez trade at the deadline. He appeared in 11 games in August and Dustin 18 games in September when the Cubs. Too much Jose Quas. Too much Jose Quas. Exactly. But the issue, the thing is he had a rubber arm and so, and he has a good pitch mix, but that wasn't what, that was not the intended goal was to watch Jose Quas 18 times in September. That was just out of necessity. I think he will benefit from the pitch lab and the Cubs believe there is a lot of unlocked potential there. Um, But in the next segment, Dustin, we, we, you know, we'll talk to Tony Androcki and he's going to give us a better idea of what the Cubs are going to do as far as building a bullpen for 2024.